I'm going to begin learning through the Sefer HaMedrish Vehamasa from Rabbi Cheskel Lipschitz. Now, both the Sefer and the author are largely forgotten nowadays, but in his day, Rabbi Cheskel Lipschitz was one of the major Polish Rabbanim. He served as the head of the Agudas Rabbanim of Poland. So he was one of the leading rabbis. His years are 1862 to 1932. He was the Rav of Kalish in Poland for many years, and during that time, he was also offered the rabbinate in Lodz, as well as Kovna, which was the leading Lithuanian Jewish community. But it didn't work out because Rabbi Cheska Lipschitz was a little bit more on the modern side. He spoke Polish and he was a little bit more worldly. As we'll see in his drushas, he deals with a lot of the modern trends that are going on. So he was a bit more on the modern side compared with some of the more right-wing rabbis and the Hasidim and the Musser group. So they opposed his being the rabbi in those communities. And as a very very fine, upstanding person, so he actually withdrew from some of those conflicts. He did not want to be the rabbi in communities where he was not wanted, and he didn't want to get into fights with people. So he was really an unbelievable towering personality, both in Torah learning as well as in his overall behavior. And there's more historical information about him in the making of a guttle. So he discusses his personality and his career, but he ended up serving in the Kalish rabbinate for the vast majority of it for many decades. And there he rose to prominence. Now, his Sefer HaMedrish Vahamasa is a reflection of his broad range of skills. So each Parsha has at least one, if not two, Drushim, where he deals with the ideology of the Parsha. He explains a Medrish, and then it has one piece explaining a Halacha. And that's why it's called HaMedrish Vahamasa. The Medrish is the ideological Midrashic part, and the Masa is the Halachic discussion. So it's an interesting Sefer. There is a tradition that that Rab Chaim Salavechik had very few Sfarim on his desk. In general, he did not use contemporary Sfarim, only the Gemara and the Rambam, with the exception of HaMedrash Vahamasa, which was on his desk. So apparently Rab Chaim enjoyed this Sefer. Now, the Sefer is long out of print, but it is available on HebrewBooks.org. So it will be worthwhile for us to go through it this year as we're going through the Torah and to give some merit to Rabbi Cheskel Lipschitz and to renew learning of this amazing Sefer. So he begins the drush of Parshas Bereshis after Adam and Chava sinned. So the Torah says, They both opened their eyes, suddenly they could see, and they realized that they were naked, they had no clothes. So they sewed a fig leaf and they made belts for themselves. So they used these fig leaves, they sewed them up and created clothing. So the Medrash makes a few comments on this last phrase of the Pasuk. It doesn't say that they made one belt. In other words, they each only needed one belt to cover themselves. But the Torah uses the plural that they made multiple belts, chagure chaguros. So Rabbi Abba Bar Kahana explains that they made multiple pieces of clothing for each of them, men's clothing, women's clothing, so that they would have a whole wardrobe of clothing in order to cover themselves up. That's what the Torah is telling us with the plural of belts. Now, Reb Yitzchak comments that why did the Torah need to tell us that they sewed the fig leaves? Who cares how they created the clothing? 
So he explains Kelkalt Uvdach that since they messed up, they now needed to go ahead and start sewing and connecting the different leaves together in order to create clothing. So there's some sort of connection between their sewing and connecting things together in order to atone and correct their sin. So it's unclear, obviously, what all of this means. Now, furthermore, the Medrash comments later on, the Torah says, Vayikra Adam Shem Ishto Chava, Adam named his wife Chava, ki hi haisa aim kol chai, because she was the mother of all life. So the Medrash says, Al tikri aim kol chai, don't say the mother of life, ela im kol chai, but with all of life. So instead of spelling it with an aleph, which means mother, spell it with an ayin, which means with all of life. So again, it's unclear what this means. Now, another question. The Gemara in Erev and Yerchesim and Aleph says, the Pasuk says, Achor vekedem tsartani, that people were created after and before. So the Gemara explains that people are the final act of creation, but they were before the sin. So this is also an unusual statement. What does it mean to say that people are the last thing to be created, but right after they were created, they started sinning? And similarly, the Medrash has a comment that Zacha Adam, if people do the right thing, then we say to them, You were the first in creation. Lo Zacha, if they do the wrong thing, then we say, Even the bugs came before you. So again, this doesn't seem to make any sense because people are not the first thing in creation. So what is the point of this Medrash? So the Medrash Vamasa explains that everything that's in the world that's created is necessary. There's nothing superfluous. Now, some things are necessary in and of themselves. They're inherently useful for the world. And some things are just necessary for some other part of creation. So when we look at all the things that were created on the first five days of creation, most of those don't seem to have an inherent purpose other than to lead up to something else. So that's the significance of the fact that human beings were created on the last day. They're the final act of creation. The point is that everything in creation was leading up to the creation of the human being. The human being is the purpose of creation because we have free will and we're able to process and reason and serve God. So humanity is the purpose of creation. And that's why everything else had to be created beforehand. This is what the Gemara means. Lama Nivra Ha'adam Bashishi. Why was man created on the sixth day? So that he would be able to go in and enjoy a meal immediately. In other words, the whole world was already ready and prepared for the human being to come in and immediately start eating and living his life. Now, the flip side of all this is that the human being now has a lot of responsibility because since the purpose of everything is in order to serve the human being. So if the human being messes up and there's no point to humanity, so then everything else also loses its purpose. So that is the point of the phrase in the Gemara, that the human being was the final act of creation, but the first in terms of sin. In other words, the Gemara is identifying exactly this irony, the fact that the human being is the end goal of creation 
and the whole purpose of the world is to serve humanity, but the human being is also the first to be punished and through him, the rest of the world will also lose its purpose because if humanity sins and has no purpose, so then the whole world has no purpose. So that is the irony that the Gemara is trying to describe that people occupy this very central place, both in terms of privilege as well as responsibility for the rest of creation. So now this is in terms of people and their relationship with the rest of creation. But what about in terms of people and their relationship with each other? So the Hamedrash V'Amasa explains that the point of the Torah is to teach us how to live in societies together and to build model societies where people function and cooperate with each other. That's the whole point of the Sheva Mitzvahs B'nai Noach, the seven mitzvahs for all of humanity, is how to create a functioning good society. Now, in addition to the mitzvahs of the Torah, Hashem also has another element of the plan to force people to live in functioning societies. Many animals are able to live independently. So they don't live in communities. Each animal goes and gets its own food and its own shelter and lives on its own. But people, of course, are not able to do that. We have to live amongst other people and we have to figure out a way to be able to function all together in order to meet our basic needs. That's one of the main purposes of society for people to have the basic needs that they need. Now, this all happens only after Adam and Chava sinned. So originally, before they ate from the Eitz Hadas, the Gemara describes that the angels were preparing meat and wine for Adam. So before he sinned, he also lived independently because there was no need for society because people didn't have the kind of Yetzir Hara, the bad traits that we see all around us nowadays. So there was no need for people to live in society. They could live independently. But once Adam and Chava ate from the Eitz Hadas, so now they had all sorts of bad character traits. And the way to correct that was through forcing them to live in society. So now Hashem had to make a situation where they wouldn't be able to meet their needs on their own. They would be required to function and get along with other people. So now, very interestingly, says the Medrash Vamasa, that's why Hashem created a desire in people to have all sorts of extras, not only the bare minimum of food and clothing and shelter, but to want much more than the bare minimum, to want very fancy cars and houses, big palaces, and to go on vacations, and to have very fashionable clothing, and to have fancy food. All of that was a way to force them to have to live in society so that they would not be able to meet their needs on their own. Because if all they needed was the bare minimum, so then each person could still live independently and have their own little farm or whatever it is. But since people need or want so much extra, so that's why they're forced to live in society and to learn how to get along with each other. So this is a very valuable insight. So that's how he explains what the Medrash is saying, that not only did Adam and Chava create one simple piece of clothing to cover their nakedness, but they created all sorts of different clothing. This was the beginning of fashion. 
And the reason why fashion is necessary now is in order to force them to live and get along with other people in order to be able to meet their needs for having not just a simple fig leaf covering them, but a whole nice wardrobe with all sorts of different clothing in it. So that's also why the Medrash focuses on the fact that they had to start sewing at this point, meaning they weren't just going to cover themselves up with a simple fig leaf. They had to actually start sewing and creating clothing. But this is not all negative. Obviously, fashion can be overdone and it can be used in a negative way, which distracts us from our mission in this world. But it also has a useful purpose of forcing people to live in society and get along, which corrects some of the mistake of eating from the Eitzadas, which brought all these bad character traits into humanity. And that's how he explains the line in the Medrash that Chava is not just the mother of all humanity, but she lives with all humanity. That's a reference to the founding of society. In other words, before the sin, there wouldn't really have been a society. Everyone would have lived on their own. But after the sin of the Eitz so now society is founded through the needs that human beings have, which are much more than just simple food and clothing and shelter. So this is how he sees the creation of society at the beginning of the story of Bereshis. Now, he adds to this based on the Rambam that even within societies, we have two different levels of people. So there are some people who are inherently useful because they do the right thing. They're good people. And then there's other people who are not inherently useful because they're not doing the right thing. And their purpose is really to create the society where the good people can live. So they're not all that different from the rest of creation, which is a means to an end for the good people to live. So the same is true of some people that live in society. Not all people are useful in and of themselves. Only some people are, the people who are trying to do the right thing, but other people are just a means to an end like the animals and the rest of creation. So that's how he explains the line in the Medrash that Zaha Adam, if a person is good, so then they say, you are the beginning of creation. It doesn't mean that humanity was created first. That's obviously not true. Humanity was created last. But what it means to say is that you're the purpose of creation. So you are the type of person who's inherently important and the whole of creation is necessary for you to be able to do the right thing. But Lozacha, someone who does the wrong thing, so even though they're a person, and of course they have potential to do the right thing, but since they're choosing not to do the right thing, so then Yetushkad Mecha, even the bugs come before you. Not only chronologically in creation, but there's no difference between that person and a bug because neither of them would have been fit to have the world created for them. And he ends this whole drasha, Ashrei Mishazacha Lios Minamukdamin. Praiseworthy is the person who merits to be from the people who make creation worthwhile, and not those who are just contributing for others to be able to make creation worthwhile. So this is a very nice drasha, and again, it gives some insight into the story of creation and how he sees the purpose of the world and societies. And he has a particularly creative concept of what the role of fashion and people trying to get large houses and fancy cars, what role that plays in the overall purpose of the world.
world. Now, the halachic discussion centers on the issue of shliach lidvar avera, which is the principle in halacha is that a person cannot be a messenger for someone else to do a sin. So even though one can create a messenger to do neutral or good things, but they cannot say to someone, you're my messenger to sin, that would not work. And the person who sinned is responsible. They can't say the person who sent me is responsible because they shouldn't have listened. They know that they were not supposed to do the sin. So they should have followed the rules of Hashem and not what someone told them to do. So a classic example of this is the story of Chava. She wanted to blame the snake for causing her to sin, but it didn't work. She had responsibility for the sin that she did. So he quotes a medrash that Chava tried to give three excuses for her sin. One is that the snake encouraged her to sin. One is that he fooled her to sin and that this was a negative experience. So the medrash Ramasa explains that there were three different halachic excuses that Chava Chava tried to use, and that's what the Medrash is referring to with these three different languages. So the first excuse that she tried is that, as we just said, if someone tells someone else to go sin, the person who sinned is responsible, not the person who sent them. So why was the snake responsible for what happened in this case? Chava should have had responsibility because she's the one that ate the fruit, but the snake should not have been responsible for telling her to do so. So the answer the Gemara gives is that the snake is a masis. He's not just someone who sent someone to sin, but he encouraged, he maneuvered, he tried to get her to sin. So in that case, he did his own act of a sin. It's like someone that tries to get people to follow Avodah Zarah. They're not just telling people go to Avodah Zarah and leaving it at that, but they're trying to convince them to do the wrong thing. So that itself is a sin. So that's why the snake was punished in addition to Chava. She was punished for doing the sin and he was punished for maneuvering and trying to get her to do the sin. So that was the first claim that Chava tried to use that since the snake was not just a dispassionate observer who just told her go sin and left it at that, but he encouraged her so she should not have responsibility for what she did. The second excuse that Chava tried is that there is a halacha that the whole concept of Ein Shliach Vera, that we don't blame the sender, we blame the messenger who did the sin, only applies when the messenger knew that they were doing a sin. But if they were shogeg, they did not realize that they were about to commit a sin, so then it is considered a valid messenger, and the person responsible is the person who sent them, not the person who did the sin, because again, they didn't realize what they were doing. So it's the person who sent to them their fault that this sin was done. So that's what Chava tried to argue, that she did not realize that this was a sin based on the medrash that she was not told by Hashem not to eat from the tree of knowledge. Only Adam was told and he relayed the command to Chava, but he added not only could she not eat, she also couldn't touch it. So that was Adam's mistake that he added to the commandment of Hashem when he should have just relayed what Hashem said and not added on his own. So now the snake took Chava, he pushed her and she touched the tree and she didn't die. So the snake said, you see that this whole thing is made up. So Chava tried to argue that she did not know that she was doing anything wrong because the snake fooled her into thinking that this was okay. 
So that was her second excuse that she can't be held responsible because she was shogeg, she was fooled by the snake based on Adam's original mistake of adding extra commandments to the law of Hashem. And then her third argument was that she had no benefit from eating from the tree because there is a halacha that if a person benefits from the sin, so then we can't hold the person that told them to do it responsible because they're the one that's benefiting. So let's say someone tells someone to go eat a cheeseburger and they do so. It's hard to say that the person who sent them is responsible when they're the one that's enjoying the cheeseburger. So the same problem comes up with that she was the one that enjoyed the fruit of the tree. So how can we hold the snake responsible when she was the one that derived the benefit? So that's what Chava argued back, that she did not benefit from this because since she didn't realize that she was committing a sin, so in fact, she had no benefit. Yes, she enjoyed eating the fruit, but she never would have eaten it had she known that it was the forbidden fruit. So in reality, she ate something that she did not enjoy and get benefit from because she didn't want to actually be eating that. So therefore, she should not be held responsible. So those are the three arguments that Chava gave that she was encouraged, that she was fooled, and that she did not get benefit from eating this fruit. Now, that Medrash Ramasa points out at the end that he's not saying that Chava actually historically gave these three arguments, but he's explaining the Medrash when the rabbis were reading through the Torah and they came across this whole issue of Ein Shliach Ledvar Avera. So in this line of the Medrash, they imagine what Chava would have said to deal with these various halachic issues. And that's in general a good principle, I guess, for all sorts of svarim that read halacha into the discussions and actions of people in Sefer Bereshis. A lot of them might not mean literally, but the rabbis later on who had all the halachas as they were studying through the Torah, so they imagined how a lot of these conversations would go based on the halachic rules that they had. So that's the nice interpretation of the Hamedrash Vahamasa regarding this whole issue of who was responsible, the snake or Chava, based on the halachic rules of Ein Shliach Ludvar Avera. There's a lot more details and nitty-gritty that he gets into, but for this recording and in general our recordings, we try to articulate the broad principles that are being discussed so that it's more clear for listeners instead of confusing everyone with all sorts of details that would get very confusing very quickly. I wish everyone a good Shabbos and hopefully this coming week will be a much better one for the Jewish people.